Um, I can remember it like it was yesterday. I, I see now with the British and Irish Lions coming to South Africa now, they show all the old games and they show every day you put on the television here in South Africa, there's something about the Lions. And yeah, that's just bringing back some great memories. Um, playing for the playing for the Springboks firstly and then play against the Lions. You know, they come every every 12 years, they come to South Africa. So yeah, what a privilege. It is maybe to, I had the opportunity to maybe play the second time against them. I don't think there's a lot of people in South Africa or all over the world that can say they played uh, twice against them. So yeah, but just that first test match, I was on the bench. Um, I went on early in the second half or late in the second half for Ron Pinard. It's one of my good friends. And yeah, just to go onto the field and to represent your country is Welcome to my podcast, Coach G, transforming athletes and purpose-driven people. The goal of my show is to inspire rugby players, athletes, and everyday people so that you can chase your goals, overcome those obstacles, turn your vision into a reality. I'll be inviting unbelievable guests in the world of sports as well as the corporate space, sharing their tools and their knowledge on performance, mindset, mental resilience, and entrepreneurship. I am your host, Coach G. Gertrude Stienkamp. I'm a former international rugby player and World Cup winner with South Africa in 2007. I've been retired since 2017 from the game of rugby, and today I'm a professional rugby and scrum coach. I am passionate about helping rugby players improve their performance on the rugby field as well as front row rugby players to dominate the scrum. Another passion of mine is to help people develop mental resilience so that they can transform physically, mentally and emotionally. And every single week I'll be launching two new episodes. On Tuesday it will be a Q&A interview with an unbelievable athlete or a specialist in the corporate world and on Fridays it will be my solo episode where I'll be sharing my knowledge and experience in elite sports but also life in general. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of my podcast Coach G, Transforming Athletes and Purpose Driven People. Tonight I have an unbelievable guest, he is one of my former teammates. This guy's won two Curry Cups, three Super Rugby's, a Tri-Nations French Top 14 title, and has also beaten the British and Irish Lions. This is probably the greatest kicker in the game of rugby. He has taken the Bulls to so many championships. He has broken the hearts of so many people that lost this first spell. When he transforms his kicks and when he gets that penalty through the post, we hear the famous song of Simply the Best. It's the one and only... Mornay, Stain, Mornay, brother, get a touch. Good to see you, my man. <laughs> like a G, get a touch, my man. Thank you very much for that lovely words. Uh, I appreciate it, and it's nice to be on your podcast. Uh, awesome, man. Listen here, yeah, you back in Bloemfontein. What a place. Unbelievable. Back in your roots. How does it feel to be back in South Africa? Yeah, firstly, to be back in South Africa is amazing, and now to be in Bloemfontein and part of the box again is an amazing feeling, and I just came back from my parents now, so it's great to see all the parents and brothers and everyone here in Bloom. Uh, myself and yourself have has, has been here in Bloom. We're also an old free state player. So yeah, we 
we're both coming from this side, so it's good, good to be back. And yeah, great to be back with the box here in Bloom. Now, awesome. Have you bumped into Algoud Melov yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. I actually seeing old friends Ron Pinar tomorrow, and yeah, maybe I'll see his dad Casey and them tomorrow. So I'll have a, a glass of wine or something with him tomorrow. <laughs> I remember back in the day, the legendary Tat Bota, you always used to say, he said to me, uh, Gertrude, when you come to Bloemfontein, you're going to cry on two occasions, the day you arrive and the day you leave, you know, that was the mm. case, you know, for a lot of people that they know the cheaters and stuff, but Bloemfontein is a special place, you know, what's, uh, what great memories do you have of Bloemfontein? Yeah, I grew up, yeah, I came from Cape Town, was, I was a little, little baby, still came to Bloom and yeah, I actually grew up here and it's always like that when you told the guys there in Pretoria, I'm going to bloom. I love this place. They're like, listen, what's going on there? There's nothing going on there. But yeah, if you, it's different if you come for a rugby game or if you, if you grew up here, yeah, if you come for a rugby game, you just in the hotel and you go to the stadium, but you don't, you don't have friends here. You don't know what's going on in bloom, but yeah, it's a lovely place for me and it's great to be back. Yeah, you know, Bloemfontein's amazing people. You know, that's why I started to play rugby as well. And I was fortunate enough to be, have been mentored by the late Dougie Heymans. You know, what an unbelievable man. You know, he was also part of the Free State rugby team and he made a massive difference. And, you know, the people of Bloemfontein is just amazing. I remember when I moved to the Bulls, um, I actually used to drive back on weekends or after a game to go back into Bloemfontein just to spend some time with my friends. You know, it's difficult to explain if you haven't lived there. But Mona, as you mentioned, you know, you spent almost seven years in France, in Paris, and now you're back in South Africa. You know, what triggered that move? Because, you know, Paris, it's a beautiful city. You know, what was the big reason for going back to South Africa? Yeah, my last year I was just a World Cup joker for Nicolas Sanchez, the Stade Francais. And my contract finished and I actually had an offer from this side, from the Southern Kings. And yeah, that's definitely wasn't uh, one of the places I wanted to go. But yeah, then I just took a chance, uh, asked the guys here at the Bulls, maybe there's a chance to finish my career here where, where everything started. And yeah, I must say, after, after half an hour, Coach Puerta Iman at that stage phoned me back and and said, yeah, we're definitely waiting for you. We definitely have a place for you. And yeah, that's actually great where everything started. I went there after school. I was there for 10 years. And yeah, like you said, I went to Paris for six, almost seven years. And now I'm back to finish my career. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully another one or two or three years. You never know. I'm still going to be playing for them. You know, Mone, when I saw you going back to the Bulls, you know, all of a sudden I was starting, I started training hard. And I was thinking maybe it's time to come back out of retirement. You know, I called Porter and I called Jake, but they didn't answer my calls. <laughs> you know, I thought there was a, there was some hope to come back, but no, you know, Mona, it's it's so great to see you back at Loftus and speaking to guys like Matic and Coach Heineke. You know, the 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 Bulls team, it was just unbelievable. You know, our experiences what we had there, you know, it was a tight knit team. But Mona, I want to go back to the beginning. You know. You're now back in the Springbok team, you know, back to your roots. And I think the last game you played for South Africa was in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. And now it's what, almost five years later, back in the Springbok team. Take me back to your first test match. What did it mean to you back then playing for South Africa and representing your country? Yeah, just on that note, if it wasn't for all my zoo training, you know, I was also finished with, with rugby, but the zoo is keeping keep, keep me going. So, yeah, thanks to you, G. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 
I think, yeah, just to be back at the Bulls, firstly, it's it's amazing feeling again. And like you said, that first test match, um, I can remember it like it was yesterday. I, I see now with the British and Irish Lions coming to South Africa now, they show all the old games and they show every day you put on the television here in South Africa, there's something about the Lions. And yeah, that's just bringing back some great memories, um, playing for the playing for the Springboks firstly, and then play against the Lions. You know, they come every every 12 years they come to South Africa. So yeah, what a privilege it is maybe to, I had the opportunity to maybe play the second time against them. I don't think there's a lot of people in South Africa or all over the world that can say they played uh, twice against them. So yeah, but just that first test match, I was on the bench. Um, I went on early in the second half or late in the second half for Ron Pinard. It's one of my good friends. And yeah, just to go onto the field and to represent your country is, I think every little boy in South Africa, that's his dream since he's seven years old, start playing rugby in South Africa. I think that's every single rugby player in South Africa, it's a big dream for them. And just to do it in front of 50, 60, thousand people at the stadium and 40, 50 million in South Africa that's behind you. It's just an amazing feeling. You know, you're talking about 2009 against the British and Irish Lions. If we go back all the way, you know, that kick at Loftus Farrisville, I remember I was sitting next to Vainant Olafiu and we're like, <laughs> this man's got it. All right. We were just waiting for that song, Simply the Best. And, you know, we are easy to criticize kickers when they have off days. And, you know, stepping up to the line there, taking that kick, what goes through your mind? You look, honestly, I've tried to kick two posts. I've pulled a hamstring or twice, so I've stopped that. I'll leave it to you guys. I don't even kick at the captain's run. But, you know, Mone, it always intrigues me. Like, what goes through your mind when you step at the line? I see you kicking the ball, and I don't understand what you're doing. Like, who wants to kick a ball for two hours? But it's the moments like that. <laughs> it counts. So if you can take everybody in the audience, you know, through the process of what you experienced when you stepped up to that line in 2009, for that massive kick. Yeah, I think I feel the same when I see you guys killing each other in the scrum for half an hour or hour. So I feel the same. I don't know what's going on in the, on in the scrum as well. But yeah, I think if you're, if you're a kicker, um, you know, since you start kicking or being serious about kicking, I think that's that's for kicks like that where you, you know, every day on the training field, you work for kicks like that. Uh, you put yourself under pressure on the training field. I know myself and Floxel year started in, you know, after school, I went um, to the Bulls. I wasn't a recognized kicker. I was more of a running, attacking fly-off. And yeah, Aina Kamaya actually told me, you know, if I want to play on a higher level, I must work on my kicking game. Otherwise, I'm, I'm not going to make it. And that's when I decided, listen, then myself and Flocky put in some hours. Um, I was always first on the field, last to leave. We was always... After fitness session, after a long day, um, I still stay another hour, two hours if it's if it if it needs to be. Um, yeah, so I think that's you know when you're school, you kick one or two or maybe ten balls. You think it's enough, uh, but over the years, you know, I see if it's you know it's the hard work, hard work that pays off. And like I said, for that for a kick like that to win a series or to win a match, that's why I put in all the hours in the training field. That's why I leave. If I must be hour, two hours after training, I'm still on the field working. I think that's especially for kicks like that and to put you under pressure um, for moments like that. You know, Mornay, so if I just can correct you, so what you're actually saying, you're saying we're running fly-off, 
So what we would normally say is you were not at all a passing flyer. You know, so uh, <laughs> you, you, you would always show and go. But you know, morning, uh, that's really exceptional. I didn't know that. Actually, Heineke told me this, this today. And uh, when I spoke to him that, you know, you weren't a recognized goal kicker. And that's actually unbelievable because that just shows you if you apply yourself and if you really want to improve a certain area of your game, that it can become a strength. Often we see weaknesses and we say, okay, that's the the bad side of our game. We just need to improve it so it's not too bad. But sometimes your weakness can become your strength. And you're just sharing your work ethic, you know, becoming a precision kicker. It doesn't happen overnight. Like if you can give us an idea, how often during the week would you actually kick? Yeah, I'm a bit older now, so time on the field, time after training is, is not as much as it was like 10 years ago when I started. I think, you know, like I said earlier, if it normally it was an hour, hour and a half, I will work on my kicking. If I wasn't happy after an hour, I will go to two hours. If I'm not happy, I'll go on till I'm, till I'm happy. I just, like I won't, I won't leave the field if I'm not happy. Like even today, I'm not leaving the field with a missed kick if I... I try and kick, say, three kicks after each other before I before I leave, and yeah, otherwise I won't I won't leave. So I think that's that you must you must you must get that mental mental toughness. Um, you must actually work it on a training field. Like if you get a, if you get to a game, um, like I, I remember John Smith always say um, when we got that penalty against the British and Irish Lions, uh, Franz Stan was on the field and he was actually the the normal of the guy who always took the long kicks. Um, but he said, as soon as we got the penalty, as he looked next to me, I was already there waiting for the ball. Um, and I think that's just that that confidence. You know, if you 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 know you put in the hard work, you know you're ready for that kick, you know you can make it. Um, now you must just just go out and do it. So, yeah, for me that was just a just an amazing feeling, and to show all the hard work I put in um, paid off at the end. You know, um, Mona, you touch based on uh, mental toughness there. You know, I focus a lot on mental resilience. We use mental toughness, but it's actually mental resilience. You know, we was, we spoke about it uh, today with Victor as well. The blue bloods, blow blute, what we used to do back in the day at the <laughs> Bulls. You know, we we were really drilled in really hard, you know, to, to be ready for those big mo- moments, those BMT moments, big match temperament. And... How did you develop that mental toughness or mental resilience? Is there something personal that you did on the side? Or was it just this belief that you had, that you know you had what it took? Or was it something that had developed over time? Yeah, I think it was. It, it has been always in my in my blood, you know, the resilience. Uh, since I was a little boy, I was a long-distance uh, runner as well. Um, land club, as they call it, in South Africa. So I'm, I always had that mental toughness. And I know when I... When I put my head on something, I want to do it well and I want to do it good. And if I, if I like when I start kicking as well, I want to start kicking. I want to be the best kicker in the world. And you know, I, I put in the hard work, and I was I was almost there. I am one of the better kickers in in the world. So I think if you put your mind to something, you can you can achieve anything. And I think that's where, like you said, in the, in, in in those days with the Bulls as well, if you. 10 points behind, there's five minutes left. We as the Bulls, we knew we're still going to win this game, like that Super Rugby final 2007. I think there was 90% of the people that didn't didn't give us a chance, but we, 15 on the field, we gave us ourselves a chance. We decided we're going to win that game, and we win it. And I think that's 
it's great to be involved in a team like that, um, like we like we have been in in those those years. You know, Mornay. You know, I was just about finishing off on the kicking. You know, it's uh, I know it's not always easy, and the, the pressure that you guys are are under. And what interests me is, and I've been there. You know, I, in the scrum, there were times I was on my A game in the scrum, and then there were times I was down. And it interests me how each player is different. Each guy is unique. So there's obviously been a time that you had a dip in form or a dip in your kicking form. How did you bounce back from that? Yeah, I can remember, I think 2012, um, I had a bad year um, kicking, kicking-wise. I actually played, played well the year, but my kicking wasn't, wasn't very good. And for me, a fly, if, if your kicking game is off, you can... You can have a great game, but if you missed three or four kicks to poles, you had a bad a bad day at the office. So, yeah, for me, I just, you know, every game, every every top sportman in the world, if you look at Roger Federer, if you look at Tiger Woods, if you look at all the top sportsmen, there is sometimes that they are going through, through a dip. But for me, the most important thing is how you bounce back, uh, like you said. And for me, I'm just, I just focus on what I, what I have to do. I know it's a tough, tough, time I'm, I'm i'm going through but i just kept my basics changed a little one or two things if i if i needed to um but yeah i just kept my focus keep on working working very hard and you know i maybe found some small little little problems my kicking took some videos myself and flop and see what i'm maybe doing different um but usually it's not a it's it's not a big thing um, you must just keep on working and just keep your mind you know it's like um, you are a good kicker. If you have one or two, one one or one bad game is not going to make you a bad kicker. And for me, I just get my focus, stay positive, and keep on working. You know, Mornay, uh, I, I think I hope that you're actually going to launch something towards the end of your career. Look, I, I, I'll be honest, with you, I don't know when you're going to retire because you're 36, you're looking young, <laughs> and uh, you know, it just uh, and even makes me think at the age of 40, maybe I should. Uh, give it a go <laughs> again but um i don't think that's very realistic so i think definitely it would be amazing to see you launch some is there anything in the pipeline regarding your kicking skills are you possibly looking going to coaching yeah luckily i've got this i've got the kicking thing on my side it makes it a bit easier for me like you with the scrumming now as well i think you're doing very well there as well but yeah for me it's definitely one thing i want to do after after my my rugby career but like you said, I'm still feeling fresh. I don't know when I'm going to stop. Um, I'll listen to my body and then I'll decide it when. But at this stage, I'm still feeling good. Um, yeah, but I'm, my plan is targeting um, school level here in South Africa on a kicking level. Um, I don't think there's any kicking coaching on school level in South Africa. I think that's one. Everyone's targeting the unions or South African rugby or whatever. But I think at school level is where your base must, you, you must actually start at school level. And here in South Africa, there's no no coaching. You know, you, you get a, maybe a father who played third team or second team for his club or whatever, and he's he's the king coach now for his son, and he's helping helping him, but he's actually helping him in the wrong way. So yeah, hopefully I can I can do that. That's my plan. And I did spoke to the Bulls as well. Uh, maybe going after my career, maybe going there as a con consultant um, for the Bulls king coaching as well. Um, but I don't want to be full-time with the Bulls. Um, like I said, my plan is to go into school level. So 
I want to have time for that as well. And hopefully we can, while I'm still playing, I can start with that and yeah, get it on, get it, get it going for when I'm finished. Well, my man, I'm definitely going to be sharing a few tips with how to get that started because I made a lot of mistakes. And hopefully <laughs> I can help you accelerate that. I remember in the beginning, you know, when I tried to convince people to work with me in the scrum, I would just like put out a post and say, okay, I'll improve your scrum performance. And then like, just wait yeah. and no one would come. So I'll definitely <laughs> share a few tips with you. Man, you say your body's feeling great. What are you currently doing to keep yourself energized? Because uh, I've been watching you the last few months and honestly, I don't see a difference between the morning stain that played in 2010 and 11 for the Bulls and the <laughs> morning stain now. Honestly, what are you doing? Um without my zoo on the other side i'm doing <laughs> no i must say i've i've always been a guy who stretch a lot i look after my body and i think that that helped me over my career i think a lot of a lot of guys and maybe i'm stepping on someone's toes now but i think a lot of guys this time they think the bigger they are the stronger they are in the gym the more they can gym the more they can bench or squat or stuff like that the better rugby player or the, the better um, sports person they're going to be but for me flexibility is your number one um, and I can echo on that you know I did gymnastics at school as well and I think that's also what helped me a lot my flexibility is at this age 36 37 years old is still still much better than 90 percent of the team here and I think over the years I think that's one thing that helped me from big injuries as well or small little niggles like the hamstrings and stuff like that so yeah I've I've looked over my I look after my body the over the years and yeah I think stretching is a is a big thing for me and especially at this age as well um you know gymming is not going to help me a lot anymore but the flexibility and you know all the recovery and after training look after what you what recovery you're doing you're getting in a cold bath hot bath whatever just to look after that and yeah your your recovery and stretching afterwards is very very important you know, it's funny you mentioned that, Mona. You know, I only started doing that really towards the end of my career when I realized the Sydney of my body starting to seize up. And I think it's so important that no matter what age you are, you need to have specific routines in place after training, before training, and you need to constantly maintain your body because, I, and let's be honest, Mona, I, I'm just watching the games at the moment. It's faster, and I just see the collisions are bigger than before. And I do believe that players need to take care of their body more. And I think nutrition-wise as well is important. Um, obviously, not nutrition like Brian Banner. He was a freak. He would eat sweets and whatever, and he'd still have a six-pack. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same, and I would have a stomach. <laughs> you will just look at the sweets and you pick up weight. I just look at the sweets and pick up weight. Even driving past <laughs> McDonald's, I would just pick up weight without eating it. So, you know, Mona, you're touching base on a few stuff, which I think is very valuable to the youngsters listening, which is important. And, you know, it's just amazing to see back in South Africa after being in France, you know, back in, I'm looking forward to seeing you back in the Springbok jersey. You know, I'll be definitely launching a campaign that you'd at least start, at least one start. That's what I'm looking for. Nothing less. <laughs> but Mona, you said you're going to continue. You're going to just listen to your body. But man, stop talking nonsense. You know who's calling <laughs> the shots. It's your wife. All right. <laughs> yeah, your wife is going to tell you when to stop. Now, but on a serious note, a lot of people don't realize that we talk about sacrifices and of, of often people say, okay, the sacrifices rugby players make. 
then they're talking about extra training sessions and extra fitness sessions. For me, that's not sacrifice. That's investing in yourself. That's investing mm. in your future. I believe sacrifices is not being able to always spend time with family. We know back in the day you would spend, what's it, 16 to 20 weeks away from home back in the day with super rugby tours and yeah, springbok tours, you know, tour. five-week tours. If you could just tell people, how did you experience that you're having a family? You've got three kids now, if I'm, if I'm correct. Three children. Pretty busy boys. You man. <laughs> you were a good boy because you only got boys. You didn't get girls. <laughs> yeah, not like big time girls. <laughs> that must be because of the long head. That's why he got girls. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, as a family man, how challenging it is it being a professional rugby player? Yeah, I think for the people out there, you know, they just see the, the glamour life, the time on the field, on the training field. Having nice cars, getting clothes for free like this and stuff like that. Um, but I don't see the, like you said, the time away from family. I'm at Bloemfontein now. My wife is alone at home with the three boys. Boys must go to school. Um, so I think that's the that's the one thing you, you know, it's it's tough for us. It's tough for the wives. Um, we go to the game. We don't see them the whole day. They sit in the in the suite. Look, I watch the game with the two busy boys or three busy boys. You must keep keep them busy as well. All that small little small little things that people out there don't don't know about. And yeah, like you said, you go away for five weeks on tour. Um, again, they just see the nice. You go overseas, you see New Zealand, you see Australia. But you know, to be five weeks away from your family, um, five weeks away from your kids, it's 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 tough times. You know, Mona, uh, I experienced that as well. It's not always easy, especially when your kids are little. And and uh, yes, there is technology, but speaking to your kids on FaceTime is not the same. And I just wanted to bring that point up because the people always see us. They see us as these role models and they expect us to constantly come. But we are human beings as well. We are Some of us are dads, we are husbands, and it's not always, and it takes a toll on the family. But what I want to ask you right now, Mona, is that how did you manage pressure back in the day? Because that's something we don't always talk about. You know, rugby players have internal and external pressure. You put pressure on yourself to perform. And there's also the pressure of the public. And I remember one day before a game, and I think it was in 2009 in France, Ludica was the coach. And we, it was actually our team meeting an hour and a half before the game. Remember everybody that. was serious in the auditorium and you came in running like a motorbike. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, and Ross was just looking at you and you're like, but we knew that that's how you were. You know, you weren't yeah. the guy that was psyching himself up, banging heads. I had to be serious. Gary, Gary Bota had to be serious. That's how yeah. we were. But you could joke around and just make that switch. But how did you manage pressure? I mean, obviously, we, we all do it differently and uh, we know we need to perform, but how did you manage it? Yeah, I think in South Africa, it's quite difficult, especially you, you all know now, play in South Africa with the, our media, it's a different type of media, you know, they, and, the, and, and the public out there. Um, you know, one weekend, you can be the best player in the world, um, you have a bad game and, you know, he's too old, he must hang, hang his boots up, he's finished, mustn't play anymore. Um, but I think one thing I did, I learned quite early in my career was, you know, you must listen to the right people. You must get mentors. You must get people that 
that know what's going on in your in your rugby life or in your career that you that you're in and you must listen to the right people um soon in my career um i stopped reading newspapers i uh, ignore all the bad comments and stuff on instagram or twitter or whatever so the sooner you can do that the sooner you can put that aside um focus on your rugby don't read the newspaper i know when you when you play when you play a great game then you look for the newspaper then you want to read it then you want to see photos of yourself but as soon as there's bad stuff in there now you don't want to read it anymore so for me since the beginning i i left that i left the newspapers i get phone calls of my father say you in the newspaper again watch 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 and all that stuff but i think it's important to listen to the right people and i know we all want to perform but as a sportman as a sport rugby guy or tennis or whatever you're doing uh, you are going to go through dips you are going to have bad games you're not always going to perform 100% and and you must be ready for that especially for me i'm a i'm a kicker as well and i know every weekend i'm not going to kick 100% if i like I think the last three or four games I played, I missed my first kick. And as soon as you put that behind you, um, you know, it's going to happen. You are going to miss kicks, but you must just put it as soon as possible behind you and just focus on your, on your next job. And I think that's one thing for a lot of people out there. Yeah, I, I remember back in the day, Mona, you know, I, I love South Africa. I love the fans. They're very passionate. And uh, there's a big responsibility being a Springbok in South Africa. It's not easy, but even a professional rugby player, people expect the best every single time. And I actually remember on my off day in Pretoria, I would go to the supermarket to pick and pay. And I get these, uh, like we say in Afrikaans, otopis, you know, these, these old men. And they will come to you like, hey, what are you doing here? Why are you in the shop? I'm like, I'm buying, I'm, buying, I'm buying groceries. Shouldn't you be training? I'm like, what the heck? Can't train all the time. And, you know, I had this routine, like most uh, of the players back in the day morning, I like to go to the cinema night before a game. I know you enjoyed it as well. I like to go to Cappuccino's, then Pretoria, have a good pasta with my missus. And I remember one night we went to the movies, I think it was Woodlands, and walking in, and this guy just said, hey, Stian Kamp, why aren't you sleeping? It was eight o'clock in the evening. I'm like, why? You got a game tomorrow. You need to go to bed. <laughs> you know, so you that's know, the old it, that's the old South African way. You must sleep at eight o'clock, <laughs> wake up. You have a game tomorrow. Let's eat pasta. <laughs> you know, Bode, we, we we deal with a lot of pressures, uh, and uh, you know, some we, we've seen recently also a lot of things come up in terms of mental health issues with players, especially off the rugby. But I believe it comes down to how we manage stress and how we manage pressure. And I believe the secret is to maintain balance. So how I maintained balance on my off day when I was in Pretoria was with my good friend, Reino Gerber, a.k.a. Hans. So that, <laughs> that's actually a funny story because we would give each other a call on the off day and we say, hey, G, what are you doing? And Hans would say, no, nothing much. What are you doing? I'm like, no, what do you feel like doing? I don't know. What do you feel like doing? His wife used to hate it. We used to go back and forth. End of the day, after two hours, we'd eventually decide we'd go to the mall. And then we get to the mall. So like, so gee, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know, Reina. What do you want to do? Anyway, I'm not going to repeat all the stuff. And it goes on and on. Eventually, we watch a movie and go to, the, uh, to a restaurant, have a good feed. But I believe rugby players, you need to have good balance. You need a positive distraction. 
how did you maintain balance and how do you maintain balance today? Obviously, it's different our off days. We did our own thing, but when you have a family, you have responsibilities. But what are you doing away from rugby just to have fun? Yeah, I think that's that's also important. I, I think a lot of people take take rugby too too serious. Uh, they make it, they think it's the only thing they there is in the world. Um, but for me, you know, we've been like that at the, at the Bulls at that time as well. You know, it must be a good balance. You must, I always say you play hard, you party hard. Um, you train hard, play hard, party hard, whatever you do, you do it, you do it well, but, you know, you, you, you have your limits as well. But for me, you know, if it's, if it's game time, I'll switch on for game time. But before that, you know, I want to spend time with my family on my day off. You like, like, you know, in South Africa, we, most of the guys play golf on Wednesday or Thursdays, whenever they have off. Um, but now, now I have boys, you know, they, they keep me busy. They keep me young. Or I go to the golf course with them. We go ride motorcycles with them. We, you know, we go to jump, jump trampoline or whatever. They, they, they keep me busy. So I like spending time with the family. And if there's time for a bit of golf, I like to just get away from rack before the change. Because Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you go out. Thursday, you have off. Then you just want to, you don't want anyone speaking to you about rugby. If you get that old topic, like you said, on a golf course, <laughs> you someone want to give him a clap or whatever. So <laughs> you just want to get away from rugby and Friday at captains or Thursday training. If you have Wednesdays off, then you'll get back to rugby again. But on a day off, you just want to get away from rugby. Um, Borde, you know, I, I remember back in the day when our tours and stuff, man, uh, you... <laughs> And even still today in France, it was the same. You know, you're always in such a great mood. You know, you, you seem to be someone that's so calm and, you know, always making jokes. And, and, and it's always been great to be around. I remember actually through the phase when we went, because like obviously a lot of us are not, English is not our first language. And we would be <laughs> making up all these funny phrases uh, like in Afrikaans. You would, I think it was you that came up with it. Um, um, and, uh, let's, go let's go walk a turn. Let's go walk a turn. Can you think back in the day of um, any of our former teammates, certain things <laughs> they said, <laughs> which they, when they tried to speak English, taking into consideration it was not their first language? I always tell this one, and I always tell it in front of Donny Rousseau so as well, but he always <laughs> said it, it's, it, it wasn't him. <laughs> But I remember we was in Australia or somewhere and he was asking for the manager. And in Afrikaans, it's the bestirder. The bestirder and the bestirder is like a driver. And he went to the to the receptionist or whatever and asked, who's the driver of this hotel? <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the good ones. And the other one, I think he was also at a test in PE when the guys were throwing, like he said in Afrikaans, he's throwing donuts outside of his car. He's, he's making donuts outside. <laughs> And the people don't know, I said, it's now, but we're not making donuts down there. It's a spur. There's no donuts there. And he was talking about the car, Frank, donuts with his car. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, another one from Daddy. I remember actually, um, he, we were at the airport and uh, he wanted to seat in the aisle. <laughs> and uh, he said to the lady, can I please have a seat in the alley? <laughs> oh, man. You know, more <laughs> We had so many fun ties, you know, uh, speaking to Victor as well, back in the day at Loftus, you know, we enjoyed training. We loved the tough. That's what people don't get at the Bulls. We loved the tough. But it was more that 
that bond we had, you know, we were fortunate. We had trademarks there, right side lofters. I don't know if it exists all today, sure. but you know, um, we had breakfast in the morning together. We had lunch together. We would have our pizza nights and poker nights and so many. I always lost at poker, but it was just <laughs> a team environment, that team culture. Like you said, back in the day, we went hard. <laughs> you know, we had, we had cricket days, forwards against back. We went all out, but we trained yeah. hard. You know, what are the big memories that stand out from our Bulls days? You know, you still at the Bulls, but if you talk about that era when you had guys like Gary and Pierre Spies and Donnie Rousseau, Buckies, you know, what are the key moments that stood out for you? I think, like you said, I think we had a good balance on the field and off the field. If we were training, we were training hard, like you said, we were grinding. I remember that George camps and stuff or the preseason camps and stuff was, it was crazy. If I think back on that fitness we did there with Basil, you know, the hundreds we did, I think you were you were just running up and down. We were doing eight sets, but you were just going, <laughs> you can just going do your 16 or how many we did at once. Um, but if I think back at that stage, the way we trained, I think that's why that's why we were so, um, you know, we won two trophies, we won a couple of carry cups. So yeah, we, I think we, we did put in the work, but if you look at that time, how the guys were partying and having a good time off the field, um, if I told if I'm I, I'm actually telling that to the to the guys who's playing with me now because now they are where I was at that stage you know I was came back I came to the Bulls 18 19 years old and I'm playing with guys now it's 18 20 years old and if I told them now what what we did back then their eyes were like this they can't believe we did it can't believe a guy like Pedri Vandenberg party till six o'clock even you as well. <laughs> party till six o'clock, seven o'clock. You're on the white bike, on the <laughs> on the white bike, on the training field again. And if if Gerzo, if you yeah, if you come to the George camp, you were just on a bike running around the field because you were weighing 140. <laughs> we, we must we, and we must get you back to 120. So, <laughs> yeah. But if I if I talk if I talk to the guys now about that time, and I think media and cell phones and all the Instagram stuff, you know, change changed the life a bit now but yeah I think we just had some good times and that was actually sad when I was in when I was at Stade Francais in Paris um, I spoke to guys like Jesse Creel and he told me the vibe of the Bulls is not the same anymore it's not nice there for the guys and now at this stage I think Jake and everyone who's there now Dwayne is there now and I think everyone is just enjoying enjoying to be to be there again my wife still gives me shit every time I'm with the boys 24-7 at the training field. And then over weekends, we also want to have a bra and do things together. But I think that's just a nice vibe at the Bulls. And and we we had that same state, at that same vibe we had in 2009, 6, 7. That, that time, we, we, we're building something new again at the Bulls. And we, we're working towards the same vibe we had back then. You know, that's great to hear, uh, Mornay. You know, and I think you must enjoy these times what you have with the boys, you know, being here in Toulouse, here in France, and seeing a lot of you guys going back to South Africa, you know, it always triggers a lot of memories, great memories, you know, and uh, thinking about those times in the change room, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but the Bulls, we actually had a full-on bar in our change room after games. <laughs> we didn't go out. And uh, I remember George Smith that played for the Wallabies, and he just came one day in touch, like, what the heck? You got a freaking bar in your change room. All right. <laughs> and he's like, that's why you guys are winning trophies. Um, but no, it wasn't that. It was just staying together, speaking, chatting, having fun. 
going onto the main field at midnight, having a drink together, you know, having people like Umvaini that kept us together. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, we always stuck together. That was the main <laughs> thing. When we lost, I remember in 2008, when we went through that massive dip after winning the Super mm. Rugby, people were criticizing us. But we kept on sticking together. We never blamed each other because I think first and foremost, we respected each other. You know, we gave it our all. I remember back in a day when a guy like Derek Keane started playing hooker, which wasn't his position. And yes. he kept on giving it and nobody gave mm. him stick. We were always there to support him and he was a leader in our team. And that's what the Bulls is all about. You know, it was about working for your brothers. I remember playing a game and I would, you wouldn't want to walk into a Bulls change room after a game and knowing that you didn't give it your best because you could see it. You could see it yeah. on your teammates' faces. And uh, that's so important. But Mornay, what I would like to ask you right now is that um, what is the one game? And you, you've had a few games in your careers. You've... Uh, beat the Lions, uh, Tri-Nations, won Curry Cups. Is there one specific game that stands out that was really special to you? Yeah, I think if I go if I go to the Bulls days, you know, every trophy when all Super Rugby titles was good and, you know, all the Curry Cups we've won and everything. But I think one game that stood out for me was the where we played the final against the Stormers, firstly the semi-final in Orlando Stadium. I think that was something new for all of us. And then we played the, the final as well against the Stormers there. And yeah, you you were there. You just the just the vibe and the atmosphere that was. Um, I think it was a big day for South African rugby and for South African people, you know, sitting together in Shabin's black and white, brown, what color you are, you know, getting people together, watching the game together. I think that was for me still one of my favorite games um, playing for the Bulls and just the atmosphere and the vibe at that time. And it was 2010, World Cup was there, so it was the time of the Vuvuzelas. Uh, so, yeah, it was just a crazy time. So that stood out of one of my one of my favorite games, especially for the Bulls. Um, and then any every game I play for South Africa, you know, you also know, to stand there and to sing the anthem and to know, you know, 50,000 people, all the millions of South Africans behind you. And like I said earlier, it's a, it's a dream for every rugby player in South Africa is to play for the Springboks and just to get that opportunity to play. Like I played 66 tests for them now. Uh, it's just an amazing feeling. And that's why I'm still fully driven, still working hard every day because I, as, as long as I play in South Africa, as long as I play rugby, my goal is to play for South Africa and to be the best, to be the best in the country. And that will always be like that. Uh, people ask me when I came back to South Africa, listen, um, I think most of the people thought I was coming just for some pension money or whatever, just to come back and finish my career. But I came to the Bulls and I still want to wear that number 10 jersey. I want to play for the Springboks again. I want to win trophies again. And that's what we did. I think we played in a year and a half. We almost won three trophies and we lost the final now on, on, on Saturday. But I've won two trophies again in my year and a half. I've been with the Bulls. So... That's my goal. That's that's what I would what, what I want to do every day, and that's why I'm back in the Springbok in the Springbok group. I'm not here to just hold bags and to get clothing for free. I'm here to get that number ten jersey again. And I love it. You know, oh, you're just giving me goosebumps, brother. You know, <laughs> that's what I'm. I always telling you, you need a vision, and you got a vision. You came back for a reason. You're a man on a mission. All right. You you know what your purpose is. You you know while you're playing, you're gonna compete. You're not yeah. like you say, you're just gonna come there and be mediocre and uh, Man, lots of respect for 
you're giving it your all and uh, still being that quality player that you've always been. And, and I feel that uh, I'm excited for you. Obviously, you can't decide what's going to be happening in terms of selection, but I'll definitely be crossing my fingers that you get the opportunity to play. Mornay, I want to just touch base on something. And you, you mentioned it earlier. You went to people that you trusted mentors to help you manage that stress and Einicke said something which was very interesting today he said only accept criticism from people you go to for advice mm. so you know and that was quite you know except only accept criticism from people that you go to for advice is there someone in your life or in your career that played a massive role can be a coach your dad and my dad play a massive role in my career always gave me sound advice i used to call my dad before every game up until my last game uh for start francais you know was there <laughs> someone in your career that played a massive role that you call a mentor yeah i think my dad as well you know my dad also played a played rugby you know he's always been there he was a prop like you now so he can't give me any advice for fly off or for kicking he was he was actually kicking for his Craven Week um, team. He was playing for Boerland. He was actually the kicker and he was number one prop. So there is maybe some something coming from him. But uh, yeah, I, th I think your family is always there. Um, my dad and my, my mom always support me since I was a little boy. And then I got married. My wife supported me. She, we, we were together um, since grade, what's it now, grade nine or whatever. So it is a long time. We've been together as well. So it's about almost 20 years we've been together. Um, yeah, so it's been it's been great support from them. But I think if I if I look back, I think a guy like Aineke Meyer, you know, was a he was my first coach at the Bulls. He gave me the opportunity. He, he, I learned a lot a lot from him. He told me about my kicking and I must improve my kicking and stuff. But you know, I think he, he actually gave me the opportunity. Um, I was 18 years old. Uh, played Vodacom Cup under him. Um, yeah, so I think he, he he helped me a lot. And then all the coaches, Franz Ludica was also, you know, I started playing Super Rugby with Heineke, but then Heineke left to Leicester. And with Derek Ogard, I was always behind Derek Ogard. And yeah, Franz Ludica also gave me gave me a good a good run there and he was backing me. But I think one guy who stood out for me is uh, Johan van Graan. Um, as we know him, he's the coach of Munster now. I think he's He's been that guy, you know, if it's about rugby, if it's about just normal life, it's about married life, whatever, you can go to Arp, ask him anything and he will give you the right advice. He's, he's one of my best friends. He was, he was my best man at my wedding as well. And I know if I did something wrong and I go to Arp, he won't cover my ass and say, no, don't worry, don't worry. He'll tell me, listen, you were wrong. You, you, know, you, you made a mess and you must, you must fix it. And he, he, he always gave you the right words and and up to today, he's now in Pretoria as well. They they they've got a bit of time off, so I'll probably see him over the weekend. Um, but yeah, I think he's the one guy I can go to, you know, about anything, rugby, life, married life, whatever. I can go to him. Yeah, Johan is an amazing person. You know, I'm definitely someone I want to get on my podcast as well because you now his journey starting as a video analyst and becoming our forwards coach and becoming assistant coach with the box. You know, it's just amazing. He's a great person. And uh, I was at his wedding and at your wedding. And uh, I want to thank you for that wedding, by the way. It was unbelievable. It was the first time I went to a wedding 
and I went home with more money than I came for. Yeah, I remember that, that morning, <laughs> the morning of my wedding. <laughs> Myself and Pedro Vandenberg, I have to, I have to confess this uh, morning, we almost missed your wedding. We almost missed the ceremony. <laughs> I remember you guys were outside amphitheater and uh, we were actually playing blackjack. And uh, please, for those listening, do not gamble. It's not a great thing. All right. So, um, <laughs> We actually were winning and we looked at our watch and we're like, oh, snap, we're going to miss the wedding. We were riding. <laughs> I think we were the last <laughs> two people to, to make it. Mornay, we're almost at the end of the podcast. We can speak for hours, you know, but I know you need to train tomorrow morning. Get yourself ready. I don't want to be the reason that you will not be starting for the box in this <laughs> Lions series. But Mona, you know, you made that move to go to France. I went to France because I needed a new challenge. For me, it wasn't about the contract. It was about doing something different. Uh, I felt I achieved everything that I did in South Africa, in Super Rugby. I wanted to play in the top 14. You know, what triggered that move to France, to Stade Francais? Yeah, that wasn't it wasn't in my mind at all, going overseas, especially not France. Um, but yeah, my, I was negotiating for my new contract at the Bulls. And at that stage... Um, I won't mention names, but there was a guy that wasn't doing things the right way. And it was actually the reason why a lot of a lot of guys left the Bulls. And yeah, my contract wasn't, he didn't offer me what I what I wanted to. And yeah, out of the blue, uh, there was actually it was a we we it's actually a funny story. We were end of the year tour. We were in London. And that morning, yeah, that the morning after the game, Sunday morning, six o'clock, I flew to I France. Yeah, because you were still partying. <laughs> <laughs> I was with Ernie else, man. It was not an excuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And, yeah, we actually flew out to France to visit two clubs there, Racing Metro and Stade Francais. And, yeah, they, they offered me a good contract. And I went to my wife and I said, listen, this is what's on the table. It's a big move for us. Our son was just over a year old. I think it was 16 months old. So it was a big move, but yeah, we just decided let's, like you said, it's a, it's a new challenge, um, a different different lifestyle there. But yeah, we enjoyed every minute minute of it. Tough in the beginning of the language, but yeah, we enjoyed the six years there, and and yeah, we I won't look back. I think it was definitely the right the right move for me and for my family. I think quality time for your family, you will know, is is unbelievable on that side. It's just you and you go to the rugby and you go to your family. That's all it's all it's about. Um, so yeah, I think it was a great move for me, and yeah, it's, luckily I came back to South Africa now. The doors open on this side again, and I'm back here in South Africa. Man, I believe uh, everything happens for a reason. You know, you like a good bottle of wine, Bordeaux, put it in the <laughs> cellar, and your cellar was that Francais. And uh, at some stage, you need to drink a good bottle of wine. Can't stay in the cellar all the time. And I believe this is your <laughs> moment. <laughs> and um, man, you know, I have so many great memories with you, Mona, you know, um, and who would have thought, and I'm so grateful that I could actually have ended my career with you, you know, um, starting at the Bulls with you. And then uh, having a few great times in Paris, even though I felt like a student, I was alone in a small <laughs> flat. I had to walk in sideways into the kitchen and stuff like that. <laughs> I was very small and tiny. <laughs> and, uh, you know, being hosted by you and your family on a few occasions was just amazing. And, and, and that was great, you know, to, to be at your house in Paris and have a good braai, have a few glasses of rosé. But I think the one thing that really scared the shit out of me was when 
you actually got a lift with you and I was on you with your scooter. That, <laughs> that was something new. And listen, man, I do not know how you got your license because I think I was this close to dying on that freeway. <laughs> so for those of you listening, do not get on a scooter with Mornay Stain in Paris. It's unbelievably <laughs> dangerous. Mornay, before we sign off, quickly, how's things looking in the camp? All right. For you guys, preparation. All right. What is your feeling for this tournament? No, we've got a good, we've got some good quality players. Um, everyone's arriving now. I think uh, Toulouse is still in the final, so we're still waiting for Cheslin and Reinhard Elstead. But yeah, guys like Faf and the uh, Dupree brothers is coming end of this week or next week. They will join us, and then we're almost the full squad. Um, but yeah, training strength, training's going well. A lot of meetings to get everyone on the same page now. Because you know, I think it's the first time we're gonna we we together now, or the guys are together after the World Cup. I think the last game they played was the World Cup final. So yeah, the the other un other countries or you know, England, Ireland, Scotland, all those guys we've been playing, six nations, Australia, New Zealand's been playing, and yeah, South Africa, you know, the last game was the final. So to get everyone on the same page now, a lot of meetings, a lot of detail going in. But yeah, we, everything's going well. And yeah, we in Bluefontaine, lovely place, a bit cold now, but yeah, we're enjoying every every minute of it. Now, awesome. Right, uh, Mornay, for all the fly-offs out there, if you could give them one tip, one tip to all the young fly-offs out there so that they can become professional rugby players. <laughs> no, I'm joking, but if you could just give them any words of advice. Yeah, for me, it's it's never it's never too late to start start your kicking, start working hard. If you want to be a kicker, put it on a table, work towards it, and yeah, get a goal and work work towards it. It's never too late. I was 18, 19, 20 years old, and I, you know, I wasn't the the number one kicker in the team, and now I'm playing for South Africa and I'm the kicker. So, you know, everything's 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 achievable if you just put your put your mind to it. Work hard and you can achieve everything. Mornay, thanks for joining us tonight. That's unbelievable, guys. The legendary Mornay Stain, the guy with the helmet. I'm not going to go into detail what that's all about. <laughs> all right, that's an inside joke in our team. But Mornay, you know, it's funny how things happen. You know, we played together. Now you're on my podcast. We played together in Paris. Brother, I just want to say I'm super proud of you, of everything that you have achieved. It was an honor and a privilege to serve with you with the Bulls and the Springboks and I wish you much strength for this tournament lying ahead with the Lions but just for everything lying ahead and may you be blessed my man you, you're such a humble guy always been humble and great with people around you and uh, and I hope that everything works out for you especially with life after rugby I think we'll definitely have a, another chat about that soon but the most important, like I always tell players, brother, it's time for you now to step up to the line. That's your space and you need to dominate it. And like you said, you're back in South Africa for a reason. And I'm looking forward to seeing you dominate, my man. All right, no, brother. Thanks, you, you show the people out there how you can, how you can train after rugby. Uh, like you <laughs> said, we all, we're doing all your stuff there at the Bulls of Andre. Andre and his wife is in charge here in South Africa. So, yeah, I think you're, you're a great role model for all the people out there. I think there's a lot of guys I'm speaking to now that said if you, if you train like that while you were still playing, you're 
you'd have been one of the one you were, but you would have been much better player um, as you've been. So yeah, well, well done to you as well, my friend. No, thanks, brother. And like always in my podcast, brother, get a touch. Boom. Get a touch, G man. <laughs> thanks, brother. Wow, that was super awesome speaking to my former teammate, Mornay Stone. What a man. Great to see him back in the green and gold and hope he gets some amazing game time in the upcoming British and Irish Lions tour. Guys, if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it, leave a review, take a screenshot and send it to me or share it on your social media platforms. That would be highly appreciated. And as you guys know, I'm all about helping rugby players improve their performance on the field so if you want to take your range of motion and mobility to another level send me a dm on instagram zoo rugby and i will send you some free drills and if you're a front row rugby player and you want to dominate the scrum dm me these words scrum transformation on instagram you will find my instagram links in the description of this podcast guys thanks for listening in today and thanks for all this amazing support on my podcast, Coach G, transforming athletes and purpose-driven people and looking forward to sharing more content with you in the near future. And look out for my next episode launching on Friday, which will be my solo episode. Right, guys, that's me. I wish you guys an unbelievable day or evening wherever you are in the world. I'm Coach G and I'm done speaking. Get a touch. Boom.